podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so Double Game Week 24 comes to a close. Well, slash poorly, depending on your point of view, which is back this Wednesday evening, Thursday morning for you probably, to look forward to what's to come in yet another quick turnaround pod. All three of us back for this one, starting with Nick. You all right? Hey, man. Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. I've had a bit of an FPL shock, uh, but we'll get to that in due course. Otherwise, it's been all right. Pretty busy on the work front. Um, still some internet troubles, though, so the sound quality is poor. I do apologise sincerely. Um, reminder, of course, who we are. We are Who Got the Assists. Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter if you haven't already, at WGTA underscore FPL. Tom, at WGTA underscore Nick for me, or at FPL Stag for Stag, who's back with us today. How are you? Have you uh, recovered from your sickness? Yeah, all in one piece, Nick. Thank you very much. Uh, it's good to be back and back studying away for exams as well, which is keeping me nice and busy as well. A uh, quick turnaround pod again this week, as you say. Um, so like many managers, Nick and Tom are on their wildcard. So what this pod is going to be focusing on primarily is their choices for that. We'll also have a good dollop of listeners' questions. The correspondence section is back with me as well. Um, but first of all, of course, we will start with our game week reviews and the market forces. Yeah, we normally start from who did the worst, don't we? And yeah, it was definitely me by a long, long way. I've had a bit of a shock, as I said. My ranks doubled. Um, just, oh, it's just been dreadful. Fifty-seven points is really, really bad, especially Ooh, when you see some okay, people yeah. like. I didn't realize doubled. how bad it was. Sorry. Oh, That's all right. Keep drinking. I'd, I'd be off my trolley by the time I'd started. Well, I think yeah, Tom's been whinging about how bad your week is. I was like, seriously, have you actually seen my score this week? It's you know, I could use a, a number of expletives uh, to describe it, but. We're meant to be a family pod, so I will avoid that. But, um, yeah, I think this defence was a shocker. Um, Diaz played one game, got two points. Stones played one game, got a clean sheet there. No Antonio, so I get Robertson off the bench for one point. And also uh, Stuart Dallas, well, that was a good idea to start him for some reason. He got me minus one. So that was pretty awful. Um, Sterling, the captain, did dreadful. He got an assist, at least in the first game, but... Um, this tonight he managed to pick up a nice yellow card for one pointer against Everton. Thanks, thanks Rahi for that one. Um, and Son, Suchek, Greedish, they all blanked, of course. Um, and yeah, uh, Richardson came in for the injured Calvert Lewin. Uh, did pick up a goal tonight, but also got a yellow card, so just the seven points from him in total. The only star of the show really was my goalkeeper Martinez, who, who turned up with a twelve pointer. Otherwise, yeah, it was complete shambles. I'd like to forget about this week very quickly. So we'll move on swiftly to who came second at you, Tom? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So um, I got a 96 minus four and I feel guilty about being a bit annoyed um, after hearing that. Wow. Okay. Um, I mean, it would have been all right. The reason I'm annoyed, right, is because it would have been all right if I didn't take the hit and just Captain Gundog. Um, I'd be over 100 easily. Um, maybe over management again in hindsight, but without knowing the result, I saw the opportunity to gain through the Sterling captain, which was um, you know, one of those that would have seen me gain. Um, I think the overall effective ownership at my OR was, this, was just over 50%. So worth the risk. Uh, but the season's theme, and I'll come back to it again later, is never bet against the house. And that really has proven to be true this week uh, with the with the Gundogan captaincy uh, paying off in that first game uh, one of those where you only really made gains in mini leagues over people who didn't own sorry Nick um, 
with the outcome of Sterling, oh, it's, uh, the reason I'm annoyed is just watching him tonight. Like, it was just such a total pain. Like, I said last pod that he was worth the risk because he was looking like a Sterling again. He was hungry for goals, you know, he was returning points, getting those positions that we really liked. Last two game week, the last two games, uh, Pep has decided again to use him as an orthodox winner, provide the width. And oh, what a pain. Like, never again, never again. I know we've got 14 and stuff, but yeah, uh, really annoying. Um, similar to Nick, I had Martinez in goal, which was great. Ben Mee got unfortunately carried off um, after the fir- in the first game for a clean sheet. Um, likes of Salah, Bruno uh, pro- providing points and off the bench came uh, big Mike Dawson. But it was one of those weeks where um, luckily I have been bailed out and given a green arrow. I'm up to 400k, I think, by one star man. That star man is Matt Lowton, um, who scored his first goal from- since 2002. 12 and he scored from his fourth shot on target since 2013 um so yeah one of those which is just pure luck nothing else um that he got that goal but it's just one of those which is quite nice and made up for the fact i didn't captain gundawan but again it's the story of what could have been if i did captain gundawan and i am now on wildcard as i thought i would be um after bringing in a double burning defense as well as bringing in uh, raheem sterling who well, if I wasn't a wildcard before, I probably would have raged wildcarded just now and um, before this podcast. And Anthony, you've hit the 100 club again, haven't you? Um, I think it's actually the first time this season for me to hit the 100 club. I've been very close two or three times. But yeah, so 104 points with a minus four. So 100 pretty much dead on. Um, like pretty much there's no real secret to it. I had Gundogan captain and then just a bunch of guys that kind of got, you know, somewhere between, let's say, six and nine. And then Emmy Martinez as well, just to kind of supplement that. So like overall I guess I, I'm pretty happy with that obviously um, I went for Tarkovsky um, he was my he was my transfer in from the Burnley defence um, so obviously that was better than me but worse than Loughton I'm okay with that I kind of I liked his data more than the others so these things happen and I, I definitely wouldn't be ruining the seven points missed there to Loughton then when I look at you know, the rest of my choices there really wasn't anything that I kind of regret doing I did bring in Jamie Vardy so there were two transfers there so one of those would have been a hit whichever one you want to count was you know it was Callum Wilson though that I subbed out for him so or transferred out for him so obviously Vardy only got six but you know that's a lot more than zero um so I'll, I'll take it and I'm not too annoyed by it um my biggest issue I guess is that in game week 20 I hit my peak for the season so far at 162k um then I had two poor and one extremely bad game week in the three that followed to go down to 277k and I will now finish this game week at around 200k so you know it's it's been a bit up and down and kind of struggling to make that next step into the let's say towards the top 100k and challenging for something even better than that um but look overall i really can't complain these these are the sorts of game weeks where i've usually foibled it and you know probably would have had a week like you tom where you were kind of like it could have been really really good but just because you mm. i got the captaincy right it was pretty good you know i gained 10 to 15 points on a lot of people in my mini league and then for people like nick who just were unfortunate with sterling versus gundogan you know, I have a much bigger gain. And so that that's good. Like, it's good not to be falling back, at least. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, for example, the, sa- the safety score uh, where I was was 83. So the score you had to get to get a slight green arrow. So it was a high score among those weeks again where 80 points that got you a red arrow. In any other week, that is probably a fairly stonking green arrow. It's double game week. And it does happen. If you haven't done that well, uh, your time will come again. Let's go to the market forces, Nick. Uh, how are people reacting to the events of that tumultuous double game week? Yeah, so the market's been pretty busy. Obviously, a lot of managers wildcarding, like myself, like you, Tom. Um, and the man that's being 
most heavily bought in right now is actually Yorkie Gundogan. So I guess a lot of people feeling a bit red raw, uh, like myself, for not owning him um, and just getting him in. 300,000 transfers in now at the time of recording. Um, obviously been in excellent form, but yeah, worth highlighting as well that he did pick up a groin injury in that last match. Um, missed tonight's fixture possibility that he's going to miss Arsenal as well so managers are bringing him in need you know to be that, alerted to that fact you know that emoji where the uh, the face has barred teeth and you're kind of like awkwardly like oh that's yeah, that's pretty, yeah, emoji, yeah. <laughs> those Gundogan transfers in yeah well I mean he's probably coming in on my wild card to be honest anyway just to, to fill up space and, and he's going to be ready for those double game weeks I don't necessarily even need to start him in 25 if I'm going to play someone like Rafina. so you know I'm not too worried about bringing him in and I, I clearly need him as he's been absolutely punishing me the past few weeks so you know time to get him in um, another player that I've also brought in on my wild card didn't own before is those Patrick Bamford and he's second in the market for 188,000 transfers in obviously Leeds have that double game week this week against Wolves and Southampton so uh, a lot of stuff we'll talk about that in a little bit uh, but also Stuart Dallas his teammate um, also similar amounts of transfers in right now they've been doing very well um Throughout the season, minus one this week against Arsenal, obviously, because they conceded a number of goals. He also picked the yellow cards. Thank you, Stuart, for that. But um, no, uh, yeah, a lot of people obviously bringing him in that double. And, and Danny Ings as well, um, back in the zeitgeist, um, scored a goal this week, 150,000 transfers in in for him. And they've got the double as well, Chelsea versus Leeds. So no surprises there that people are targeting him. The final one, I guess, in the top five, though, is Jamie Vardy. It surprised me a little bit to see his name so high in the lights. 100, 140,000 transfers in. But he did score a goal, I guess, because he's coming back from injury. A lot of people seeing that and thinking, oh, I want to jump back on the Vardy wagon, the Leicester wagon, and see what happens there. But that's just a little bit of an interesting tidbit that he's um, attracting so much attention right now. But um, in terms of the transfers out, it's all the injured usual suspects, the injured guys, Justin, Calvert-Lewin, Wilson and Antonio, who unfortunately failed his fitness test. Unfortunately, he was up to other activities the night before, which meant that he uh, wasn't fit to play, much to my annoyance. So, uh, yeah, um, that's it, I guess, for the market forces. Yeah, I think what you're really seeing there is a story of managers like readying up for the double game weeks and uh, responding to injuries, especially with the transfers out. But obviously, uh, you, didn't, you didn't get quite mentioning that Kane's also quite transferred in. And then uh, Rafinha is also the seventh most transferred in player. So, you know, double game week players galore there, really in the top of market forces. Yeah, absolutely. And with that double game week coming up, well, double game week just now, 25 coming up and the big one in 26 coming up uh, this week, it's worth kind of doing a little chat about general wildcard discussion. Nick and I are both on wildcard. Anthony has shied away, as, as he seems to do quite often. He always says, no, I'm not going to do chips when you do chips heard i'm going to do my own thing which is fair enough so anthony's going to be taking the naysayer view uh, this week a little bit uh, but basically I, I think the main chat today is going to be you know, on nick and i with a few listening questions obviously peppered in why are we wild carding and who are we buying and um, i mean a really hefty caveat like oh, I, I wish the fixtures had come out today like you know i've been following um you know having that kind of thing where the, tw- the tweets come up in the premier league tweet i've been kind of like, every time i tweet go oh my god is that the fixtures no it's, it's, so we haven't got them yet sadly at the time of listening a really weird pod to be recording uh, but we are using the creditors 90 percent pluses um hopefully this isn't entirely out of date by the time you hear it you're not going to get the curveballs ben credit himself um our friend ben i should say we're not just throwing him under the bus and um, he said that he is uh it, that you can trust that the golden 
slash Brown Fitch is on his tracker. Do follow him at Ben Quinn. If you don't know who he is, I'm sure 100% you do by now. Uh, but if you don't um, do that, um, he said that these fixtures will happen. So we're, we're taking a few of these fixtures as red and we're going to try to keep it as general as possible and not kind of go too niche. Caveats aside, though, why are we wildcarding? I'll start. Why am I wildcarding? Well, I sat down with a beer last Friday. Um, very similar to what I'm doing right now. Um, and thought about FPL again. What? literally same thing uh, anyway it's um, like a very um, strange night there <laughs> but i sat down, sat, down, sat down with beer last friday and i used ben quinn's planner um his transfer planner to figure out from where i could get to for my game at 2014 and if i could get a satisfactory team up for 25 and 26 without using the chip unfortunately i couldn't quite do it so i'd need to take a minus eight in game week 25 to get you know a decent team out with leeds players with southampton players and I'll need to take another minus eight in, in game week 26, which to get an okay team out. And even that would have had, I think, three single game week players. So I don't know, for the bench boost, it just didn't feel like it was quite right. So given where my squad was, I thought that it was worth doing. And plus, of course, I dead-ended in 24 by bringing in double Burnley in terms of the defence and Raheem bloody Sterling. But yeah, it's a really a wild card. I feel like I have less ownership control of this wild card more than any other second half wild card ever in my FPL career I think mainly for five reasons basically one I'm wild carding to buy uber template players Kane and Son are not in my team now they're probably going to be in my team or there'll be a plan to get them in come on to that in a little bit two I'm wild carding in a time without major price swings three I'm wild carding in time when fixtures haven't even been announced yet so I'm but bench boosting in a game week or setting up to bench boost in a game week for which the fixtures are not published. That is bizarre as hell. Four, I'm wildcarding into a double game week I don't really care about, <laughs> but it's an added nuisance. So I've got to now, I banned for three, but probably I need Ning's sort of character. I need a Rafinha. And I'm also wildcarding into a minus four. So one of those characters is probably going to have to go out again in order to get players in for that 26 bench boost in a game week in which the fixtures haven't been confirmed yet. Yeah, really weird. One thing I've learned this season is never bet against the house, as I've said. I've, there's a lot of disgruntlement on social media at the moment about wildcard into the template and this really kind of not being the sexiest of wildcards. Uh, but I think it's just one of those things where, as I said last week, I was stanch the bleeding and it feels boring but unnecessary if you're taking where I am, 400k, and what they, what double game looks like to look like, uh, which kind of makes me think it's, it's time to go now. Nick, is it similar sort of situation with you? Have you pulled the wild card out of anger with Raheem Sterling, or has it been other reasons why you've decided to go similar to mine, maybe? Well, I think the Sterling is only really one of my problems, and he might even stay, where at least I was planning or thinking about him staying in the team up what? until tonight's fixture. <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll move things around a little bit more. But um, yeah, as, as you alluded to, I think... This game week, it felt like the perfect time to do it for me because I've had a bit of a shambles of a week. There's just plenty of gaps in my team that need addressing. The whole thing needs a shake-up. So, you know, it's obviously the right time for me completely. Um, for Leeds, very short of the coverage. I've only got Stuart Dallas. I do want Patrick Bamford as well, um, obviously, because he's going to be ridiculously owned. Um, I just need to have him for cover. I might even captain him. And, and Rafina as well as a bit of a differential, I think will be really good for this week to triple up on Leeds, um, give my team a little bit of a kick, and a bit of impetus. And, and Southampton, I think, no, I haven't got any Southampton players, but like Spings looks like a fantastic differential, like Vestergaard as well, we'll probably talk about later. And But um, I'm setting up for that 26 double where I'm going to be using my bench boost. 
So that will be another opportunity to hopefully regain some ground and, and be ready for that uh, big game in, in 26. So that, that's that's the plan, really. If I, I don't wildcard now, I can't wildcard in 26. And there's going to be fewer opportunities later to, to use those chips, like the bench boost and triple captain that I've still got. Yeah, no, it certainly makes sense. Seems something on similar page to me then. And Anthony, you've looked at it. Is it because there's no fixtures that you haven't taken the plunge yet? Are there other reasons why you're holding on? Some sort of, you know, hipster anti contrarianism that's kind of permeating your viewpoint? Why have you decided to hold fire, as it were? No, I guess often I could maybe be accused of trying to uh, be a little bit hipster in my FPL choices, but I actually think that we have a bit of a misnomer on this one in that I think more people aren't using their wildcard now than are, you know, by a, a large distance. And I know that I'm not just talking about ghost teams. I even mean within the FPL community um, in that, like I ran a poll there the other day, 586 respondents and 61% of them happened to say that they were saving it for later. I think a lot of those are people who use their free hit and they're basically hoping to wildcard after yeah. game week 29. I'm not even one of them because I haven't used my free hit yet because I've just gone off on a totally different tangent to <laughs> that as well. So no, that's not. I'm not like them, but at the same time, I guess... I don't feel like a massive peer pressure to get on the wildcard zone. So that, that is definitely one thing. Mm. I'd be silly to say that it wouldn't influence me. If I felt everyone was doing it, I think I would feel, I would definitely doubt myself a little bit more. The fixture uncertainty is a small aspect of it, but it's not a big aspect of it. I think you can generally we've, you know, we've Ben Crown has been very, very good on these fixtures. I think that they're going to be probably, they will reveal themselves before this deadline. If they don't, that would be very surprising indeed. Um, so I don't think that's a particularly big risk, but at the same time, I'm quite happy that I hadn't pressed wildcard early this week, um, yeah. expecting it to happen. Um, but maybe most more importantly than ever, I, I looked at my own team and I put together like a fake wildcard team. And doing that because of just the paucity of good, cheap options, I felt um, I was only going to put together a team with eight double game weekers that might have nine after using my free transfer after game week 25, if I was to do it right now. My current team has eight double game weekers. Now, that does include Gundogan, who may be injured, and that includes Tarkowski, who I don't think I would want to have as one of my double game weekers, and he may well be benched. But this isn't the type of double game week where I feel like, oh, wow, there's going to be, I could have a squad with 15 players that I really want to play. I don't even think I could get 11 players that I really want to play. Um, and I'm definitely not going to wildcard for the bench boost, which has traditionally been a chip, which has been absolutely useful, or useless for me, whether I've wildcarded to try and create the perfect bench boost or whether I've just ended up kind of just having to spaff it towards the end of the season <laughs> yeah. just because I still had it. it it's never worked. Um so yeah, like it's that lack of bench boost options. I think is the big reason for me. Now, look, if there's a few more ex if there's a few more injuries in my side, like I saw, Cancelo had a bit of a limp towards the end of the City game. If the Gundogan injury turns out to be that little bit worse, suddenly I'm down a lot of men, and it might get a bit easier to do it at that point because it would be a good excuse for a wholesale reset. And like I would change. I think I had about seven or eight changes in my squad when I did the wild card, like it's just basically changing for fixtures, you know, yeah. it's swapping out Sam Johnston to bring in Sanchez type characters. Like this isn't mad stuff, but at the same time, I just didn't feel it. Okay. Is it like a marginal sort of wild card where you're like, oh, I could make these changes, but it's not too bad. It's not, yeah. the fires aren't raging that hard. This is it. Like, I think I'm going to probably end up taking a minus four for this particular double game. I'll probably take another one for the next one. I'm, I'm okay with taking hits at the moment. I think I've taken one like three of the last four game weeks. And I'll, I'll do it again, probably just to 
cover my main bases of players that I don't have. Like this week, I will hopefully have two of three of Rafinha, Bamford and Ings. Yeah. So one of those I won't have. I don't know which one, but one of them. It's it's just a really interesting period, isn't it? Because we're wildcarding like for a game week in two weeks as per, you know, how things are in terms of deploying the bench boost chip, which is what Nick and I are kind of aiming for. And obviously we did talk about back on the last big double game week in game week 18, how that was really well the bench boost. And even now I think, oh, you know, I wish I'd done it back then. Um, and I completely understand why you're kind of thinking, oh, you know, I'll, I'll just keep kind of motoring on. Um, in terms of kind of setup for this particular period, I mean, Anthony, you've got eight players, which sound like they're kind of quite solid. And the rest of them, you're kind of, they're okay. You know, you can get a decent 11 out. Whereas Nick and I, I guess, are now in different sort of, a completely different path because now we've got to think about getting a decent balanced-ish squad for a bench boost in 26 as well. What about game week 29? That's the thing that I'm worried about for you guys. So the Derry Cracker, I think, asked a question about this, didn't he? He said, what are the downsides to a game week 30 um, wildcards, aside from the obvious restriction on loading up on more double game week players, obviously in the one that's coming up? And obviously, I, I completely understand that. Because if you kind of try to figure yourself out, I mean, obviously, if you've got free hit in 29, brilliant, happy days. Um, but if you're kind of, we've got a plan to figure it out in turn nine and you're wildcarding after that. Like it's, it's a really, really good sort of fixture swing, isn't it? From game week first, you almost, there's a huge swing for the likes of Chelsea, who have then got West Brom, Crystal Palace, Brighton, West Ham and Fulham. Amazing. Uh, Liverpool switch it over entirely. They've got Arsenal, they've got Aston Villa, Leeds and Newcastle and Man City. Wow. Another good run of fixtures. Um, Leicester, Leeds, Aston Villa, Southampton and Crystal Palace and teams like you know, Villa currently in the zeitgeist face a difficult run so they, you know, they've got Liverpool in game week uh, 31 and Manchester in game week 32 so I completely understand Liverpool's not, not a difficult fixture for us uh, for Aston Villa is it? <laughs> yeah that's true uh, I'd 7-2 be a Liverpool fan there <laughs> lol um, but yeah, no, I, I know what you mean um, and maybe just throw into that so Leeds' fixture's turn Villa's fixture's turn Spurs' fixture actually take a bit of a turn as well and then there's a massive upturn for teams that would have differential options the likes of uh Wolves, sure. Chelsea, Arsenal, Leicester, Liverpool. So like I feel like there is a good reason to wildcard later. I don't think I'm going to necessarily wildcard then either, to be honest. I wouldn't be surprised if I end up wildcard on game week 37. No, no. I actually might have like a game week 28 wildcard or something. Okay, um, yeah, because okay. I have the free hit in 29, so I don't need to get too worried about it. So I can basically mm. set up for that fixture yeah, turn a I little see. bit earlier. Maybe. Maybe. I see. I, I think that I'm <sighs> Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but I think I, I'm in, a, obviously Nick, you're 200k ahead of me, but I think we've both been in the same situation where it's been stuttering for a little bit again. We're both kind of hoping the wild card turns around our fortunes, as it were. Um, the but what more... are you going to do Hold for 29? 29 isn't a big deal as far as I'm concerned. I should be able to set up. Spurs are playing Aston Villa that week, according to Ben Crellin. So yeah. that's perfect because I'm going to have two. two Aston Villas, maybe three Aston Villa players in, in my uh, double game week. So I'm going to have Martinez still, uh, Grealish, maybe Target. For Spurs, I'm probably going to have Kane and Son. I don't know if I'm going to fit a defender in, probably not. And then I've also got my three Leeds players as well, who have a lovely game against Fulham that particular week. So, you know, <laughs> that's then... perfect for me. I've got all weeks to think about doing some additional transfers i could potentially even get 11 out i agree with that like as long as that spurs um game goes ahead then it's not too bad like the core that i worked out that i'd have is basically emmy a villa defender dallas rafinha son kane watkins and bamford so i've got basically most of the core players who are playing that game week 
and if you're free hitting on 29, yeah, I can see the triumphalism of getting 11 players out. But really, we were doing. You've got Arsenal, right? Like you've you you're, what what are you on to score? Like who are you putting your hope in? So excited to captain Aubameyang again. It's going to be so disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So basically, you kind of we can get the core of the 29 to weather it. Occasionally, there is going to be a game week where you have to take your medicine. Maybe that will be the one where we do have to do that. But at the same time, I'm not. I'm just not too worried about that. Next up, there are four game weeks in between to be able to make changes to future-proof yourself. I am looking, for example, to get rid of the Leeds player that I do bring in for this actual game week. Um, but it's it's not. It's one of the things that's always kind of overwrought in my view. People always kind of say, "Oh, yeah, no, it's going to be a complete disaster." I don't think it's actually going to be that bad. Like as long as you can get the core seven or eight players out, get to a grey arrow that week like you did in the last three here. yeah yeah exactly I was like, going to say exactly I was going to jump in I was I dropped about 10 points versus the regular and that was fine with just having yeah. the four players and I got the right captain that's basically the key yeah I'm, I'm happy with that um, on to our wild cards if, if, if we may just quickly and maybe Anthony in a bit you can be like oh actually I've got all those players anyway so so screw you um, but Benny Blanco kind of said that yeah, he's on wild card as well, and he's he's saying you know it's difficult to strike a balanced squad without losing one of Son, Kane, Salah, and Bruno, who are obviously the four that people are looking at a lot, and um, probably Salah and Bruno for psychological reasons. Uh, that's the reason they're still in my wild card, and there's Kane and Son because obviously they they're slated to have a very good game with twenty six, looking like Burnley, and then one of Fulham and Southampton, and after that their game their run of games is actually pretty good as well. So it's one of those where you've got to kind of go through the rigmarole to get your team well-balanced ahead of this. Obviously, the fixtures are a huge factor. Um, but I, I mean, Nick, maybe you can play a game of got got need here in terms of the players that I've got in my current team um, compared to the players that you've got. Just list out mine. I've got Emmy Martinez, obviously. Obviously, this year's Nick Pope. Um, and the 4.5 million doubler, if there is one. Or uh, Roger Sanchez at Brighton. He's got West Brom away, so I'll probably put him in if not. Um, in defence, I've got Diaz and Stones just because they've got, they look like to have a couple of double game weeks coming up. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that they're not going to play all of the games, but I'm hoping Diaz at least does. Uh, Rudiger, 4.6 million, obvious inclusion, cheap with a double. Vestergaard, if Saints have a triple double, and then a less than 5.5 million defender. Currently, I'm looking at Luke Shaw because Newcastle straight away, and then they've got a double, so I'm hoping there'll be some payoff there. In midfield, it's very difficult to see past Son, Salah, Bruno, and Gundogan. Um, Gundogan is obviously a question mark, but I got him at 5.5, so there you go. Rafinha for 25, looking to be swapped out to Jorginho in 26. The reason I'm doing that is because I've got Ings, but I want to swap him for Kane in 26, because of that essential double game which I need somebody to come in who's got a double and Jorginho's on penalties as well brilliant uh, Watkins um, who's going to cover Grealish a 29er and Bamford who I'm just going to keep I think I've got lots of money invested I've got him at 6.1 million and he's the sole singular I have on paper of 26 so I'll have 14 double game makers and gaming 26 as it stands again if it sounds like a template it's because it is like I want to get a good 15 out for the 26 bench boost which means that I need a bit of necessary templates around this time. I'm trying to take the emotion out of it. I'm just trying to make emotional decisions with my picks, which are FPL show worthy, perhaps in their blandness, but that's what it is right now. I've got a stanch bleeding. Nick, what's your team looking like in terms of that? Pretty similar. I can't afford Salah, to be honest, so I don't really know how you've managed to fit him in as well. I'm just so short of cash right now. So in, in answer to, to Benny's question, I think he would perhaps be the, 
the full guy, if, if one of the guys out of that four have to fall, I think Kane and Son with the fixtures that are coming up. And as, as I mentioned, they've also got a single game with Contrelli 9. I think they're going to have to be in the team. They've got some really nice um, games coming up. They've been in really informed Spurs, but you know those guys have been the, the key men all season. So I think they're definitely going to be in. And Bruno, I think, has to stay as well, just because he's been in excellent form and just been remarkably consistent. So I think that's the, the challenge I've got there in terms of trying to fit Salah in as well. And I don't know how you're going to, how you've managed it. I think you've got more money than me. I think you've been doing all these early transfers throughout the season, taking risks and perhaps it's paid off whilst I've not been managing the price rises as well. So that, that's my problem that I've, I've now got. And he'd probably have to be the full guy just because he's 12.6 million, you know, that extra million, sort of is just so important in terms of the compared to the other guys you know he's 3.1 million more expensive than, than son and it just gives me flexibility to kind of get more money in my defense and stuff like that so you know in, in goal i've got martinez i've got um, mccarthy actually in there as well i know he's been rubbish but um as long as he doesn't lose his place he's got plenty of double game weeks coming up so he could be a, a decent pick in, in defense or in goal in the midfield i i've been playing around in, so in the defense i've been playing around a little bit uh, possibly with Sterling as well in the team, but um, he's potentially going to leave. E- even with the Sterling lineup, though, without Salah, I I had to have all these car- dreadful players in defence, like Dan Byrne and people like that, and I didn't really want to have <laughs> no. to, hold, to hold these guys. So I think that's not going to work. Um, so I've got like a defence right now of Concello, who hopefully he's not injured, and, and Rudiger. Uh, Dallas, Stones and Investigards are quite similar, I guess, to yours. Midfield, um, Gunderhan, Grealish, Fernandez, Son and Rafinha. And um, up front, Bamford, Ings and Kane. So looking relatively similar in mm. terms of the, the plan there, I guess. Um, just I think, yes, the, the salary is, is the gap, isn't it, really? Ultimately, yeah, it is. I mean, just to answer Benny's question before um, Anthony Andrew, you want to come in and uh, you've been you've been laughing a lot at um, both of what we've been saying, frankly. I feel a bit judged here. And, it, was, uh, it was just the Dan Byrne thing. That was, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> that was right, gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, I'm um, keeping all four um, that he mentioned. So Salah, Son, Kane and Bruno. Obviously, that's, I've got a little bit of team value and I'm willing to compromise elsewhere. So I'm going to have a dodgy player like Jorginho or something hanging around. Um, but this is for mental health reasons more than anything else. Um, Salah is basically the paragon of good players, even in poor teams, score you points. I know he's got a lot of blanks, uh, but he has got good fixtures coming in terms of Everton, the double game week, Sheffield United, Fulham, and the fixture swing, as previously mentioned, from game week 30. Son and Kane, good fixture on 25, 26, 27. I'm not going to do that to myself, frankly. And if you are, I'm glad you enjoy masochism, but I'm not. And Bruno, similar picture. Sure, the pictures aren't great, but the man's a machine. I don't need to go into the data really here. But the one thing I'm missing is Jack Grealish, actually, who does leave my team after many, many weeks. I think I got him in game week four, uh, but he's probably going to go and I'm going to be hoping to cover him with Watkins and uh, obviously Martinez, the god that is Martinez. All right, um, Anthony, what do you reckon about our teams then? Um, do they sound ridiculous? Are they sort of similar to the sort of team that you'd be planning if it were you? Um, yeah, I was kind of checking the players off against um, this kind of fake wildcard side that I've created. And I think I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement with you guys on the three-man strike force uh, with Ings, Kane and Bamford. I know that is a bit of a plan to get Kane in, in, in Tom's team, but either way, I, I like that three. Where I think my, basically the crux of like any sort of disagreement I have is that in the end, I didn't end up compromising on defense as much as you guys did purely because I decided that I could do that a team would be fine 
without Son. He was the fall guy of the four that Benny Blanco was asking about in this hypothetical team that I had. And it was actually Harvey Barnes who was getting that place. So it was a midfield of Rafinha, Salah, Barnes, Fernandez and Suchek. You'll also notice there's no Gundogan there because I was just kind of, I was working off the hypothesis actually that he might be injured enough and being saved enough for Champions League that it might not actually be worthwhile carting him in. Um, and so it's definitely a weakness of this side that there'd be only two City players, those being Cancelo and Diaz. But that's just out of a, a lack of creativity. I could swap those to two other City defenders, but they were just the two that I just are in my team. So I just left them for this hypothetical draft. Rudiger, I like. I think Eric Dyer, um, just because Spurs is at least defensively just churn away. Their fixtures are quite good. Uh, he could be a decent enough option just to generate points for pretty cheap price. And uh, yeah, Sanchez was definitely the kind of the second goalkeeper there with Emi Martinez. I, I liked him. And yes, Nick, you definitely could have Dan Byrne just to cover Sanchez in this kind of odd universe where we're having Brighton players to cover Brighton players. But I do think that a Brighton player is, or a Brighton defender, sorry, is worth having given that they have five clean sheets in their last six. Like that's not worth ignoring. Uh, why do I think Son is the one to cut? Um, it pretty much comes down to just how much his production has fallen off in let's say the last six game weeks and I did a bit of a comparison versus the six game weeks before that so we're talking about a period where he scored one goal in the last six versus a time where he scored two goals in the six before that but I think what's more telling is that his xg more than halved in that time so he scored he had scored two goals off 2.66 xg and he then scored one off 1.07 xg and basically, how, why is that different is because he had so few shots in the box uh, in the last six compared to the six before. So he'd had 12, 11 shots in both the two periods. But in the, let's say, the six before, he had 11 shots in the box. And the, the last six, only five of those were in the box. Um, I kind of I looked at his touches to see if kind of was he being given more defensive responsibility? And was this the reason why he wasn't necessarily getting such high quality chances? And no, the honest answer isn't that. No, he's had about as many pen box touches. He's had about as many touches in the final third. Bit of a bit of a drop actually in the period mm. when he was actually on fire. And uh, his touches in defense in the defensive half were pretty much there. Actually, they're the exact same. He had seventy eight in both six game week periods that I was looking at. Um, so it's not that he's had his role changed. And I don't think you'd watching them, you'd think that that either. So no, that's not the case. But I think what it reflects is that Spurs even more so are just facing packed defenses, and he's just not being given that chance to counter as much and to be kind of mm-hmm. given very easy chance in the box. But also, I think what it gets at is that Spurs didn't have their best gilt-edged chance creator on the pitch and the space maker as well in the final third, the person who drags players away from the likes of Son, and that is, of course, Mr. Harry Kane. So it, do, I think making the decision to bring Son in is effectively a massive vote of confidence in Harry Kane's ability to make Son the player that he was earlier in the season. And of course, Son, stunning player, brilliant player, uh, in line potentially for player of the season um, if kind of Spurs can kind of pick it up for the last half, basically. Um, but at the same time, he has dropped off and hadn't been an FPL essential for the last few weeks. I think Kane is definitely the essential of the two and I kind of drafted this without him on that basis. Maybe you disagree. Uh, I mean, um, FPL Dempsey asked, for example, if Kane is the 26 obvious triple captain choice. And um, there's lots of different kind of fixtures that are there. And they do have the fixture with Burnley, um, which is the one which is nailed in. And um, 
I mean, he's come back to the team a little bit early. Um, came, we didn't expect him back um, a couple of weeks ago, um, but there he is. And uh, I mean, Burnley's the first game in 26, and it's worth mentioning that they've conceded the second most shots in the last six and also have the second highest XGC in that period. But that includes City. So let's kind of zoom in a bit more, get rid of that game. Uh, last four weeks, things look a little bit better, more mid table in terms of shots in the box, an okay proposition, I guess, defensively. Um, but if they get Fulham, you've got to be looking at it and thinking, oh, you know, they're much improved in the last four. I wouldn't be too over the moon to have uh, Fulham. Um, they've been pretty good defensively, to be honest. Over the last four games, they moved into the top six or seven in terms of attacking. And in terms of the defence as well, they've got the fourth lowest XGC um, over the last uh, six game weeks. So that, that's that's uh, it's, it's not as good as it looks on paper. If they get Southampton, um, yeah. They've not won in six. They've got the second highest that you see in the last six and they've got the highest that you see in the last four. Maybe, maybe that would infuse me a bit more. That's what you mean in terms of Kane being probably one of those players who would definitely be in the, the 26 team. I, I can't see myself going about him and he's the obvious captain choice for those games just because the SGI, like, he, could, he could assist as you've intimated. He could score a penalty. He could score a great goal. He could score a tap-in. He could do anything. He's one of those players who has come back big time this year. I got a bit of criticism earlier in the season for suggesting that Kane was a bit more talismanic than Son when Son was kind of outproducing him. But from, from us? Yeah, you know, not from you guys. It was more kind of no. just a general no, we'd never, kind of concept. That. Kind of the concept of saying that Kane was just a much more important player than Son was not at all a popular thing to say. Um, in let's say that's because Son was doing the goals, bruv. Yeah, but if you if you if you know the game, you would have seen the game was the important player there, and that like yeah, you strip just... him away, and it makes a huge difference. And I think um, like Kane is the one to own if you're to talk about it. But I fully understand why people want Son, and like, geez, like I'm going to be hiding behind the couch um, no, watching Son play it's, those. So it's the psychological. Yeah, song. it's going to be terrible. I think yeah, it was definitely a risk there. I think I'm actually not fully wedded to using the bench boosting in Trinity Six. I might potentially look to triple captive especially if I'm looking at the idea of keeping all three of my Leeds players if, if Southampton don't have a double game week and have, you know three jerk-offs from Southampton that I'm not necessarily going to want for 26 and probably think about benching so you know triple captain Kane to answer that question might actually be um, a pretty decent strategy for that particular double game week because you don't get much better double game weeks than, than that one if they do have Burnley and Fulham. Whereas I think if I was looking at double game week options, there is, of course, look, City do have two good fixtures and every fixture is a good fixture for City um, in that 26. But also kind of their likely game double game week to come in 27 um, looks kind of appetising. That's United at home and Southampton at home. Statement performance against Man United, who I think, much as I hate to admit it, could very well be exposed on a like metric scale in that game defensively. And Southampton, who I think they couldn't really very much get at. Um, it also just the way Champions League fixtures fall, it's <laughs> slightly favourable in that it's um Southampton games obviously the midweek, Fulham is the weekend after that. And I think that's the game you rest someone if you need them for the second leg in the Champions League against Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, which hopefully they won't because they might have blown them away in the first leg. But we don't know how that's going to play out. So the, there's an awful lot of ifs and buts with that one, but. Mm. I just do you captain a striker in a Mourinho team who haven't been exactly in flying form against teams that are going to park the bleeding bus, and that's the challenge. I, uh, oh I'm yeah, absolutely. It's the, same as, it's the same as Son versus West Brom, though. Like even bad attacks do well against bad defenses. Mm. Yes. Is Burnley a bad defense? Mm, probably not as bad as you probably say, but they're not impenetrable. No. 
Our Fulham bad defence, not recently. No. If they get Southampton, Southampton, yeah, that's a pretty bad defence. Um, but I'm interested in what you said about Sissy there. And I think it's a nice point to kind of throw in a couple of questions from listeners, FPL Ulysses and FPL Villy, um, who asked how we're setting that up in terms of our wild cards. And Anthony, of course, um, speak about what you would be doing. Um, but they ask, could we move away from double defence now with City and get the two attackers? Um, maybe they ask these questions for tonight. But they asked, how do we navigate KDB's return and Gundogan's injury? Uh, Vili himself echoes what you were saying, Anthony, in terms of the Champions League coming up. And he also says, you know, players like Mendy and Walker, who was an absolute headless chicken of the Harvey Barnes proportions tonight. He asked, are they fully fit? He says they're fully fit. Um, so, you know, we could see a lot of rotation, he says, in the, in the Man City defence. Like, how are we going to fit in Man City going forward? Because... They could have us wrapped up, wrapped up soon, couldn't they, guys? Ten points clear. And throw in the Champions League, as you said, and things could really move around. Um, throw in the Man United game as well, where they can really yeah. open up the lead a bit more. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Nick, how are you planning for that? Um, are you? I know you've said you're throwing in Gundogan, but, I mean, he's injured. He could have the Arsenal game out. He'll play the, you know, the Champions League game. Maybe if it's a kind of one of those injuries they've got to manage, he might miss another one. So he could feasibly be looking at two games in four. Surely that's a cause for concern for you. Well, yeah, obviously it is a cause for concern, but I think I can get away with um, with my optimal wildcard team, him not actually playing that Arsenal game and just benching him and then, you know, have a, my four other really good midfielders, my, my three really good forwards that I've got in my current wildcard team and just having Gundogan on the bench if necessary, as a, as a backup. So I'm, I'm less worried about him missing that Arsenal game. In fact, that would probably be a good thing if he is um, still resting for that, to get him ready and fit for the for the double game week. And same with Cancelo, who's the other one who's sort of come into my wildcard team now. He, he took a bit of a beating. or it took a, It's a kick. It's, you know, it's going to be sore. for. It's not an injury. So he's going to be sore for perhaps a week. And he might actually get the Arsenal game off, which hopefully means he's fit and ready and doesn't get, you know, pets for, for the double game week and, and plays both. Because, you know, he's really exciting um, defender to watch play. Um, I've looked at his stats as well earlier, just in terms of chances created, 33 so far this season, which is a fifth for all defenders. He's had 21 goal attempts, which is sixth for all defenders. So, you know, he's really high up in terms of the underlying stat metrics. Um, he's also second for penalty box touches amongst all defenders over the course of the season. You see it when you watch him as well, just like just pops up out of nowhere in the penalty box where he really shouldn't be there as considering he's meant to be a defender, um, you know, getting lots of attacking chances, City getting lots of clean sheets as well. And he's, He's potentially the one that I would look at. He's now 6.1, so he's quite expensive. But, you know, if I'm not going to go for Sterling any longer, just because he's a complete liability at his price point, um, then, you know, Cancelo, Gundogan, and probably John Stones, he, yeah. he had his rest. Hopefully he's back in the team this for the next game because um, I'd rather not have Cancelo and Stones both out for Arsenal because I do need some players to start um, next week. He'd probably be my third asset just because he's cheap as well. He's only five million, so he always five point two now, but bought yeah. five, so he he fits in uh, pretty nicely for me. Yeah, I mean, when double game week season ends, I think I'll be happy to hold Gundogan. I got him at five point five, so the risk of him not playing is priced in, as it were. And I'm maybe gonna have Diaz as the mainstay. One of our friends of the pod, James Carroll, has this theory that he's like the main anchor of that city defense, and everyone else kind of revolves around him. Um, and that city defense is still elite, by the way. Before tonight, they only conceded two big chances in the last six. And to be fair, like you know, Richarlison scored on on basically on the 
goal line, didn't it? Dinier's uh, ball came off the post and hit him on the fire, I think, and went in. Um, but as Billy said, I think it might be rotation City uh, after things have gone and they've kind of set up, they're basically set up to win. That's when we start to get in the realms of motivation and on the beach. And I think, Anthony, I think that's one of your first ever pods of us, wasn't it? Oh, these players on the beach are the end of flip-flops. Uh, oh, fond memories. And perhaps it comes back to, you know, uh, what we were talking about in terms of, you know, players from teams with something to play for. That's when that sort of thing gets interesting. Um, with City, I think, because they're going to be so far out, I don't know whether I'm going to want more than two of them eventually, frankly. I've got kind of Stones, obviously, as a gift. And I think he's going to sit there until things get bad. I'm, I've basically got my wild card, as you've heard. Two defenders and Gundo. Um, but, I mean, in terms of the overall league, like the worst thing we want is no relegation, a set top four and a, a set winner. Looks like the title race is over. I bet the top four is luckily still alive. West Ham, wow, what the hell are they doing there? And Fulham um, could yet threaten to climb out of that bottom three, which did look locked in previously. Um, but yeah, I mean, City, you know, that's two, I think. I know the likes of you know, Foden, Mares, explosive we saw tonight, but it just feels a road to ruin going with assets like that over players who play for lesser clubs, yes, um, but they will get the minutes. No one voluntarily wants to submit themselves to pet roulette, right? Um, so I think that it's going to be one of those things where I'll go with the two defenders and one attacker for now. The two defenders being probably Diaz, if you have Cancelo, keep with him because I think he's going to have a take take a really vital role. Um, I might I might do that. I don't know. Um, and Stones because he's so cheap, you might as well. And then in midfield, Gundo one I think will be the one I go with, and just I'll just leave it at that, and then kind of. You know, throughout, throughout the course of the season, maybe t- taper off into two, just because if it's wrapped up, it just becomes premium pep rotation, I think. Uh, Anthony, what do you think? I mean, when by the time you get to your wild card, it sounds like you may just have a better view of it. Do you think it is going to be the case you'll be looking at two City by that time? No, I, I was thinking to myself, and it was definitely, you know, it's the fatal flaw of the wildcard team that I was talking to you guys about that, you know, I, I could do if I wanted to. That, like, the response to Pep Roulette certainly isn't having just two City players when they're as affordable as they are um, in their current guys. Like, it would, I wouldn't be trying to get Sterling into my side, um, and I wouldn't be looking at getting KDB in. Um, if Aguero was back by the time my wildcard came around, I think I'd, I'd love to give that particular lottery a go. But like the odds of that happening, I, I, you know, come on, like that's that's dream scenario stuff. So I think I likewise would be looking at having the two city defenders. I think that's just the simplest way of things not going wrong. That would be for me. I've had I have Diaz and Cancelo. I've had Cancelo for so long that I got him at a decent price. So even though he is probably more rotation prone than I would like the fact that he can play on either side of the defense is at least a help and like I haven't been burnt too many times by him not playing and uh, Diaz look I'm I'm quite happy to have Diaz I feel like that kind of that's almost like a coverage point because I feel like um, James Corral is talking about how he is you know the the pit that mainstay in that city defense full stop. I think he's also the mainstay in the FPL defenses and with that in mind I'm quite happy to just have him nicely covered off and you know I tend to have a squad that has too many players and I tend to have points benched far too frequently at the moment. So the idea of him, you know, that he's probably going to release something good off the bench. So I'm okay with that. It's going to one is the issue. Um, I don't want to like go tinfoil hatting and thinking that, oh, what if his injury is so much worse than it is? But I, I do think that there is um, questions to be raised about how many of yeah. the next five Premier League Absolutely. games he's going to Absolutely. play. The Arsenal game looks like it's going to be a write-off for him from now. I just don't think that Pep's going to take that risk. Um, then you're talking about the midweek game being the Champions League game. He 
I think plays that in all likelihood. Then it's West Ham. Then you're talking about the, the double game week potentially against United. And there's a, the second leg of a Champions League game thrown in there uh, before the Fulham game or just after the Fulham game. Sorry. So like there's a few kind of games where he could be rested whilst being saved for more important games like the Man United match, like the two Champions League games. If he's carrying an injury, could even miss the West Ham game. And suddenly then the reasons for holding him are diminishing rapidly. That said, I, I do have a lot of value tied up in a bit like you, Tom. I call him at 5.5. So like whilst getting him back in doesn't sound like a huge ordeal at 6.1, he's outrageous value for his production. It will be still very hard to get him back in because I'll have yeah. to put money elsewhere and it's a transfer and points. Yeah, it's 0. 0.6 that he needs to find now. Because we've got him at 5.5, he's now at 6.1. I'm sure he'll drop to about 5.9. But he's going to find that sort of extra little kind of bit, don't you? It's one of those kind of times of the season where you decide, all right, this player has been great for me because he has been great since that 5.5. Didn't capture him this week, but obviously I've still got that sort of residual kind of love for the player. But is the party over with this guy? Is it time to get rid of him and go elsewhere? Oh, it's, it's a tough decision to make um, because if he does come back, he's all fit and firing after that Arsenal game, which I also share with you. The share with you, and I, I think he probably isn't going to play. Um, if he is back and fit and firing, if he and De Bruyne are both kind of singing together, which they were in the last double game week, suddenly you've got an amazing asset in Man City team and a root into that attack as well as defence. Mm, it's very difficult every year. If it, it always feels that way, you're kind of trying to avoid the pep roulette and you always kind of look at it and kind of go well, if I'd have gone with stuck on players versus the pet players could I have done better yeah it's, uh, it's it's always a tough one isn't it nothing outrageous to suggest it's just so hard to predict pep and so with that in mind like do you just pick Gundogan accept that he's not going to play some of the games and you know close your eyes and just hope for the best or do you kind of I guess when you're at 200k like me do you just grab the initiative and accept you know, disappointment if it comes. I know I won't accept it all that easily, though, if it does happen that way. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for all the questions this week, guys. Um, but we've got one extra special question, don't we, Anthony? Uh, with your return to the pod um, after getting for a lot of Lou role, I assume, last week. Um, it is the correspondence. Um, uh, it does return. And this week, it's a friend of the pod, isn't it, who has written in to ask a, a couple of questions or kind of one big overarching question. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed, the correspondence section is back and it's it's Rishi who's written in. He's at FPL Raccoon on Twitter. That's with no spaces in it. And uh, Rishi has emailed who got the assist at gmail.com with this particular question. So, uh, t- hey, lads, is FPL getting more variable and harder? So people are rightfully saying that it's way harder. Or is it that the old guard that used to cakewalk to the higher ranks because the information was less readily available and there were less players in the game, making it less competitive? Uh, Rishi in his email is quite detailed. He points out how things have changed a lot in recent years and that information has become democratized and that FPL has become more competitive in that way with games live on television and so many FPL content producers and people giving analysis and stats and summaries. And that like all of these facts basically make a more concrete template and the end result making it harder to get green arrows once that template kind of forms. Uh, Rishi himself thinks actually that it's just become trendy to have a bit of a moan on Twitter um, and that the whole thing is just kind of, you know, it's just, just as it always was. And Rishi himself says he's taking an awful lot of joy at a more relaxed approach to FPL and just watching how it all plays out. Anyway, he finishes. Uh, all the best, lads. Rishi. Yeah, I guess it's, it's always a good week to, to moan about how FPL is getting harder, isn't it? When, when you've had a complete and utter shocker of, of a game week. <laughs> but I, I think it's um, 
I do think he makes some very decent points there just in terms of the proliferation of information, data, content out there that just creates so many more challenges to to try and find an edge um, against your opponents, try and find that that differential. And when you do try and get go against the grain, you, you often get caught out, don't you, just by all the template picks doing well. For instance, this week, I thought, actually, I'm going to ignore Twitter for a change. Um, you know, all the hype around Bernie defenders and, and just ignore them. You know, I've ignored Gundogan and I got completely and utterly punished by that, just trying to go for something slightly different, something that was, you know, not not being heavily advertised on, online and on, on Twitter. So that, that kind of does make it a little bit less fun when I guess it's kind of these sort of more you know, template moves, at least in terms of the online uh, community, uh, get rewarded. But um Obviously, as well, the other point that was made is, is just in terms of the increased user base out there, isn't it? So there's 8 million users this year, which is just ridiculous. And whilst a high proportion of those are inactive, it's just incredible to see how many people now play this game compared to when I first started playing. I don't think it's more than 2, two to 3 million max. So, you know, it's just every year you see it go up by almost another million by year by year at the moment, which is just incredible. And it does mean that those guys that are up there in sort of the top 10 gay, um, that is incredibly impressive and more impressive than than some of the historical records out there just because of the fact that, you know, to get that edge to, to beat your opponent when there's so much information out there, you know, people posting their teams, people copying those people that post their teams, all sorts of crap going on online, isn't there, at the moment, that it does make it a, a harder game to try and, um, you know, do better than, than the rank, you know, than your opponent's. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I think in terms of providing information, we've seen a, an explosion of information providers, content providers. And, you know, we're, we're prime contributors to that as freebies. Um, we've added that promulgation of that sort of content just going everywhere. Um, but as people who once thought, yeah, we'll give that a go, why not? We can never do down the content that's out there. It's just one of those things that happens. A lot of that, And a lot of it is very, very good. Some of it isn't. Um, but it's all in the eyes of the person who finds it useful, uh, not in my eyes. So there you go. Um, but yeah, there's lots of it. And people are definitely better informed, uh, which is heightening what you said there, Nick, about you know people trying to find an edge. What I've said is that this season is a prime exemplar of that old adage, never bet against the house. And it's definitely been true. The challenge is harder than ever. I think what we're seeing is a fragmentation of FPL, I suppose. Um, you know, in FPL content creation world, I think there's probably two stages of need of the average FPL manager has. Well, maybe they've got two questions they'd ask. Um, the, the first stage um, is basically a manager who says, tell me who to pick. This is the most obvious question of all, which is where the entry-level mass market content creators operate. These are huge accounts. And Nick said these are people who are looking to get an edge. And I think that's definitely true. It's why I see teams that look like, let's talk FPL Andes, FPL Generals, Matthew Joneses, and my work in many league. These are people who have got zero FPL history, have never been involved with it. And I know from the office, they've got no interest or no understanding of FPL um, whatsoever before this season. These folks are you know, they're really happy with a list of names, for who to pick that's all they need they would they want to go to content creator and go right who should i pick tell me what to do and that's great i'm really happy for them like this audience of less engaged managers and i think that's where we all start off when we begin our interaction with fpl but some will go beyond that and they'll start to think about fpl a little more you know they get a little bit obsessed which brings us to question two stage two tell me why to pick this player this is well, we are, I suppose. We don't just tell you who got the assist. We tell you why they got the assist and how you might think about why they may get more assists going forward. 
okay, I'm being a bit flippant there. Um, but perhaps the key difference between question one, tell me who to get, and question two, tell me why I get them, is that we tend to leave it to you to work it out. And hopefully that gives you something more interesting to think about in the process rather than just kind of just saying, get this guy, get that guy, this guy's great. Um, the people asking the question why are perhaps the more engaged managers on the whole. I think you're, and you're listening to us now, uh, but you're our audience. And we love that you enjoy thinking about how things kind of all fit together, if that makes sense. I should stress here that I'm not saying one's best than the other. There's no hierarchy of less engaged. That's that's really cool too. I love that you're playing a game that I love. Uh, but maybe you were less engaged a little while ago and maybe we've converted you to being more so. Who knows? As long as you enjoy it. I guess stage three is why can't I make content myself? Um, but yeah, uh, I think that everything kind of splits into one and two. And I think that we're seeing loads of people kind of start to percolate into one, like tell me who to pick. I need that sort of, you know, some sort of FPL um expert to tell me who to pick without lying um, and i think that that's kind of something which is going to um uh, probably continue um there's always been kind of a huge growth margin in the audience which is fpl i'm just hoping that obviously going forward that people are going to be thinking about it a bit more seriously rather than kind of sticking to the beige phase one which is fine like, as i said there's no hierarchy if that's what you want that's what you need if you enjoy it great Sorry, I digress. <laughs> but I mean, hopefully I've answered, I've answered Richie's question. Obviously, it's more difficult. People are flooding into FPL. Um, and yeah, I'm interested to see how it will go going forward. Yeah, I think I can't disagree with anything you guys said. Like, I, I do think that managers are just enabled to do better and there's just so much more of them. So yes, of course, it is harder to do well as a consequence of that. And I think, you know, that's why I think talking about the top 1% is a much more kind of realistic way of talking about playing FPL than talking about the top 10K because just it just is a little bit more flexible from that perspective and kind of allows for things. And I, and I even think that it's getting harder to get into that top 1% um, because people are so much better. Um, I think Rishi is right, though. That it has become a bit of a trend to have a moan because if you haven't noticed, social media is kind of built to generate aggressiveness and to generate and to promote stuff that is emotive and that gets people going, that builds interactions and keeps what? you on the app. No way, imagine. No way. <laughs> Shock, yeah. Um, causes all sorts of whack results 52 48 and all that and with that in mind yeah tom has just face palmed uh, very rapidly there and nick has too and yeah but like that's what social media does and so i think yes there is definitely more moaning going on as well about that but that's i think the moaning was already there there's just more people on the social media to begin with and the social media is getting better and better at driving it into our faces to try and drive interactions even more Anyway, yeah. speaking of interactions, though, we want you to interact with us. And that's who got the assist at gmail.com to get your correspondence in to us for later pods. We have a few kind of rapid fire ones over the next few weeks as the fixture list continues to be truncated. But we will continue to drip feed them in um, as we can in the next few weeks. Uh, in the meantime, I guess, before we actually finish off the show, we shall move to the transfers and captains. Lads, the double game week, Leeds and Southampton players on the agenda with the wildcards, basically. Oh, I mean, obviously the transfers are up in the air. Absolutely no idea what I'm going to end up at. It all depends on the fixtures. Again, dating the pod, but there we go. Um, in terms of captains, I think that it's between Rafinha and Danny Ings, actually, um, just because I think that the two top EO players this week are going to be Bruno, because they've got Newcastle at home and people who eat bread with their crusts cut off are going to be captain in Bruno and everybody else will be captain in Bamford both those players are going to have high EO so it's another good opportunity to gain I'm 
never bet against the house, Tom. Never bet against the house. Oh, I'm going to bet against the house. That's what I'm going to do. Um, but I'm looking at Danny Ings um, uh, probably uh, with that Chelsea and Leeds um, double game week. I just, I just feel like it's a good opportunity to do that. Um, and at least try to take an opportunity to go outside of um, the two top players. It might be Rafinha, you know. He's not blanked, he's not blanked for six game weeks, something like that. Very good at 3.8%. He could be the guy that I go with. It's all up in the air at this moment in time. Maybe the same for you, Nick. I mean, you're a new Bamford owner, so maybe you'll be infused by owning him and captaining him, whereas I'm a bit kind of uh, a bit meh over it. It's a bit passe for me. Yeah, actually, you're right. So I'm bringing in Bamford. I'm probably going to give him the armband as well. Not owned him all season. So going to give him a chance straight away with the captaincy. Um, he's going to have a ridiculous EO, as you said, this week. But in terms of the underlying stats, you know, he has had the most goal attempts, 78 more than any other forwards. Um, he's also had 70 inside the box, which is... Um, you know, compared to Kane, who had who's had 47, just a ridiculous amount of Bamford's chances have actually been inside the box, which is just fantastic. So I think I'm going to give it to him. Just leads great tons of chances. Got some great fixtures, great double, I think personally. So I'm going to give the armband to him. As you said, it's probably going to be we're probably going to be um, avoiding Bruno returns again because his effective ownership, no doubt, will be over 100% despite it being a double game week. But yeah, I think it's got to be a double game weeker for me, and and that's Bamford's. What about yourself, Anthony? Yeah, so the first of my double gaming transfers has already been made because I wanted to avoid a price drop for TCL. So he has gone. I basically ended up with a crocked trio in my forward line at one point. I had uh, DCL, Antonio and Callum Wilson all with flags of different colours um, on them. That meant that I needed to get rid of basically one after the next after the next. So uh, yeah, DCL is the latest one to get the kick and it's Bamford who's come in for him. First time this season as well for me owning him. The, up until now, anyway, the, the armband has rested on him. I am tempted to just go with the flock and uh, get on that Bruno bandwagon, purely because I think within my mini leagues, uh, that Bruno captaincy is actually going to be quite rare. Um, I'm tempted, though, to take a hit, and I'm awaiting, if at all possible, Pep, please give us more information on uh, Ilkay Gundogan's injury. That would be great. Thanks. Because uh, I really do want to get Rafinha into my side. And... Uh, he will come in either for Suchek or for Gundogan. I think it'll be Suchek purely because I still have Antonio and I still have Zufal and I feel like it's slightly covered um, from that perspective and like price-wise and value-wise, it all feels a little bit better. So um, West Ham, whilst flying so close to the sun, I feel are about to burn up and wreck and become West Ham mid-table West Ham. So with that in mind, I will probably sell him, bringing in Rafinha for Hish. I'd love to captain him. I've tried to captain midfielders every week this season. Um, if I had Rafinha in my side as well as Bamford, Rafinha would get the armband. Cool. So we're who got the assist. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And if you want to join our league as well, the code is CPSULF. Yeah, we'll see you next Tuesday, probably actually Wednesday by the time the actual pod is out. And that'll be after the Leeds-Southampton game. So obviously the end of the double game week. And as well, if you want to get some correspondence in, who got the assist at gmail.com. That is all one word. Yep. Thanks for, uh, very much for joining us. So we hope we assist you with yet another quick turnaround edition here. I'm again uh, on a weeknight off to edit a pod into small hours. Uh, but yeah, we'll speak to you after the next uh, double game week. Good luck and goodbye. Bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist?
Social Podcast Network.